0: There's a reason more pros choose Redneck Blinds over any other blind on the market. Combining amazing quietness, scent control, and usability features, you have the ultimate hunting blind. Give them a call or check them out online at redneckblinds.com.
1: Dakota Silence, we're embracing better. Our focuses, revolutionary concealment, extreme silence, enhanced thermal efficiency, purpose-driven functionality. Unheard, unnoticed, uncompromised. You're listening to The Outdoor Podcast, probably presented by Six Hour and created by Bo Hunter Planet. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to The Outdoor Podcast. It's me, Dave Thomas, alone tonight. But I do have my fr- good friend, Alex Robinson from Outdoor Life joining me tonight. So we're going to talk to him in just a minute. Uh, But before we do, I just want to say special thanks to all the supporters who support the show. I want to thank you guys for listening to the show and watching it on Carbon TV. Uh, It's very important that you guys do so and continue to love the show. And today I'm really excited about this interview because uh, we get to talk to someone in the industry that's doing a larger industry, uh, meaning like all of outdoor stuff. And also on top of that, covering important events um news and information that has to do with the great sport of out the outdoors in general uh, but hunting fishing hiking all that great stuff uh can be covered in this as well as well as um you know politics with things going on and, and that's happening right now with the schools and archery and taking funny away. important topics that people just gotta understand what's going on and, and see so um let me switch my camera and and uh we'll get this going here so uh Alex, how's it going, man? Thank you for joining. I appreciate this.
0: It's going great. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
1: Awesome. So um, I guess let's start with just kind of telling the story of you and uh, in, in outdoor life. Like, how did you end up there? And I guess, uh, you know, what do you do there too as well?
0: Sure. Yeah. So I am the editor-in-chief of Outdoor Life. Um, and, you know, if, if you're not familiar with that, it's... Uh, uh, Outdoor Life is celebrating its 125th anniversary this year. Um, wow. So, you know, it's been around for a long time. Um, obviously, started as a print publication uh, based in Denver, Colorado, and has over the years has evolved. And um, you know, now we're a fully digital publication. Um, so, we still cover all the things that we we used to cover back in the day. So, yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, Hunting and firearms and conservation are kind of our core competency. Um, But we also cover fishing and backpacking and hiking, survival, um, you know, just kind of general outdoor news. Um, And my job as editor-in-chief is to um, just kind of oversee all that coverage. Um, I have a bunch of great writers and editors uh, working for me and uh working for the title and they're all you know have their own stories that they're publishing um got a bunch of awesome freelancers out there uh contributing stuff um so i try to not get in the way too much and just make sure that everybody is able to uh you know uh, do their job and, and get get what they need to uh to work on their stories um So, yeah, yeah, that's the scoop. I've been there. Uh, I started working at outdoor life, um, basically as a college kid, I was an intern. Um, my job was to, one of my early jobs was to read the reader letters, which at the time were still mailed in like handwritten letters mailed into the office. Uh, at the time we had an office in New York city. And as an intern, one of my jobs was just to read the reader letters and to give important ones to the editor in chief at the time. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, back in around 2008. And since then I've been working for outdoor life and have kind of worked my way up the ranks. And, uh, now I'm the editor in chief getting the reader letters sent to me.
1: <laughs> it also comes with the stress too, though. Let's not forget that part.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Pressure yeah, it's, getting things done.
1: Uh, about how many, would you say it, is a sure. random number though, but how many, about how many writers do you guys have on a given, you know, week, I guess.
0: Um, in a given week, um, you know, maybe five to 10 writers, um, there, there's, there's a smaller pool of folks who write for us on a very regular basis. Um, you know, if you're familiar with outdoor life, you probably recognize names like John Snow, Tyler Friel, Andrew McKean, um, Katie Hill and Dak Collins. They write a ton of news stuff. Um, but then we have all kinds of folks write for us throughout the year, um, you know, and that's kind of in outdoor life's history too. You know, we've had uh, Ernest Hemingway write stories for wow. outdoor life, and Teddy Roosevelt. Um, you know, we've done features on Babe Ruth and Amelia Earhart. So, um, you know, we we've had some some pretty uh, iconic people in 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 history write for outdoor life, and you know, we kind of still try to keep those. Um, those opportunities open
1: that's really cool yeah i yeah i think it's interesting because it's it's one of those things where i love the idea and this is one of the reasons we, we used to i mean our show used to be called the bow on planet podcast and we loved it you know there was everything about it was great but there comes a point where you can't really talk about bow hunting anymore right you're like i don't know what else to talk about we we really and so one of the the big things for us this year was to change our show to the outdoor podcast and bring in other topics As well, uh, speaking of like camping and just different things that are outdoor related that we all do around here as well, anyway. So we're like, man, it'd be cool just to like talk general stuff, whether it's guns or shooting or whatever, right? You want to go out and, and ski or bike or whatever. But the cool part was we could then have on people that were from different, you know, areas of the outdoors, right? Which was like yourself, right? Someone who does a lot of stuff in the outdoors, not just one topic. And, um, that's led to some really cool interviews with people who do things like camp around the world and and drive an RV around the country and they live out of it. You know, it's just very interesting things that you would never think of, you know, people live in Idaho, but they, you know, drive to Michigan and, you know, and, and camp and then go to Milwaukee. And I mean, they're all over the freaking place. It's crazy. But of those things, you know, what, what would you say is your largest? So outdoor life's got this name. That's very synonymous with just, you know, general outdoors. So what would you say the most readers are, would they be like hunting or fishing or biking? I guess, what would be your largest reader, you know, subscription that you, you know, uh, what area I guess is the largest.
0: Yeah, definitely hunting and firearms coverage. You know, those two is where most of our readership comes from. And those are kind of our most, Kind of historic areas of coverage um you know we de- dedicate a lot of time to uh reviewing and evaluating guns uh bows crossbows you know all those kind of um marquee items that are important to hunters and that's something that like we really pride ourselves on just as a staff um so that has that's kind of where our core readership comes from um, But then we get I mean, we kind of get folks from all over the all over the spectrum of outdoor interests, you know, like we write about uh, hunting pythons in Florida and uh, you don't have to be a hunter to like be interested in that, you know, Um, you could just be like a, a regular person who really has no interest in the outdoors even and kind of see that through social media um, you know, or maybe, um, Apple news or something, you see one of our stories and, and that's how you find Outdoor life. Um, so like in the past, when, when we were strictly a magazine, like we had a very core readership, right? It was just the folks who were subscribing to our publication. And we had a very kind of narrow idea of who that person was and what kind of content they wanted. Now we've really opened it up a lot more, just like you guys have. Um, and realize there there's a lot of people interested in the stuff that we do and they they're not all necessarily just hardcore hunters so we have to we have to talk to those folks as well and um you know kind of the like my interest personal interest is hunting and that's the case for most of the staff that's what we do so that's always going to kind of be the heartbeat of our coverage but Uh, Just like you mentioned, we all like to camp and hike and we've got some really serious downhill skiers on staff and trail runners and all that stuff is good too. Um, But hunting first.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I was noticing uh, while you're talking, I was kind of scrolling through some of the bow hunting section. Obviously, I know a lot about bow hunting. And uh, this area, it's funny, you you did an article that says, hunting bows keep getting more expensive. Our flagship bows worth it? The funny part about this is I, I was just in the other room filming the Expedition x Light for 1950 and $2,000 for the 33. So I thought it was interesting that I saw this when I was actually just filming that bow. And I was thinking about it. I was like, this is in the video I talk about, like this is the most expensive compound bow in the world. And, you know, is it worth it? Is it not? It's really up to the user at this point. Cause it's a different material. You know, I can't sell you aluminum. I can't sell you magnite, I can't sell you carbon. It's all about what you can afford and what you're willing to buy. And I think people don't, some people, they, you know, people are set in their ways, I guess. And so I think they kind of lose sight of the fact that some people just have a lot of money and they don't care. Like they, they have a lot of money. Right. Like look at crossbows. I mean, let's be honest. You're, you're talking $1,500 to $4,000, $5,000 in some cases I've seen. And so the crossbow user, not all of them, but the ones are like, who are either, you know, a mix of gun hunters and bow hunters with a crossbow mindset they they have no problem spending $3,200. bucks. i have seen so many people buy Ravens out the door, 10-point, you know, the top lines. And so, like, yes, it's different for the compound shooter to spend 1800 bucks on a carbon bow, 1950 on this X-Lite. But at the same time, people got money to burn, and they don't care. You know, they want the best of the best, and in their mind, the most expensive equals the best. I I, I agree with most people that it's not necessarily true, but in, in, in some people's minds, that's the way it's going to be. So is there a market for it? I think there is, but you know how many they'll sell? I have no idea, you know, when it gets to that price point, it gets a little price, it gets a little high when you're talking 1950 for a compound, but then again, you know, people might uh they might bite, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, one thing we were trying to look at with that article was, you know, um even if you take out the most extreme cases, right? Like the most expensive bows and just look at the general field of flagships like that even those have gotten expensive yeah correct um, yeah o- o- over the years so mm-hmm. one of the one of the critiques or criticisms that we get when we run our our bow tests every year is that like all the stuff is just too expensive and it's all just marketing hype right like that that's that's kind of what some readers feel like the archery industry is doing with these bows right like they're just we're just kind of marketing this up as the latest and greatest thing. And they're marking up the price, but they're not really delivering any different or better performance. So one of the things we looked at was, well, we shoot all of the bows um, extensively, uh, um, you know, a panel of shooters. We all shoot groups, um, 50-hour groups for days and days on end. And all those groups get averaged down. Now, is this perfect science? No. But it is like pretty good anecdotal evidence and what we saw is like there really is a difference like it is easier to shoot like generally speaking it's easier to shoot the flagship bows more accurately than the budget bows so like we can kind of nitpick details there but like you are getting more bow it's not just marketing hype like these more expensive bows are bringing real uh performance advantages to your point, it's just like, if that advantage is worth it to you or not. For many people, it's not. They can get by with a $800 bow, no problem, and shoot deer and have a great hunting season. Other folks, like, they want every possible accuracy advantage that they could possibly get. And those folks are going to gravitate toward the most expensive bow. um, And they're going to get that. Like, it's, it's not just marketing hype.
1: I think uh, there's a couple of factors in there. Obviously, you have number one, you have inflation, you're going to have costs go up generically, you can't change that it's not the manufacturer's fault. Number two, they got to make money so there's got to be a profit or they're out of business so of course it's going to keep going up and it's not that they're trying to do that I don't think that's their intention. I think it's just like expedition is a great example of this. So you have a 1950 bow, $1,950, $2,000, if you get the 33, but they also sell an 1199. They also sell a 799. They also sell 499. So, I mean, realistically, they're still offering people something in the middle. If they can't afford uh, that, they're not just saying, Hey, it's two grand or nothing. See you later. Right. I mean, they are trying to give people the option that they can afford. Uh, But here's the thing I've been telling people. And I, I really do think this is pretty true is that it depends the type of hunter you are now, of course, when I talk I'm talking about just the hunting here there's obviously the whole idea of like you know performance technology but if you're a hunter who hunts in the midwest like I am so I live in Michigan where generally we are weekend warriors we are 20 yard pop shots from tree stands this is stuff that the reason bear archery is so popular and crushes it in the marketplace is because we can buy their 400 bow and kill deer all day with it we're not shooting past 30. 40 yards is like long for Michigan. Like we're always tree stand. Yeah. So Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, parts of Wisconsin, the Midwest region can get away with those type of both. Do they, I mean, those guys obviously shoot Matthews, all this stuff. I get it, but I'm just saying like, we can get away with that. No problem. Distance is not an issue because we're not doing it. Now, if I'm out West and I, my friends over Montana, black gold spot, hog, all these guys out West who are shooting 60 yard minimum shots, then Yeah you're going to want tight tolerances on your bow. You're going to want the best of the best technology. I understand because that, that little bit of difference that distance can make a difference. And you just said it with the 50 yard testing that it was different. You guys did find it to be a little different. Now imagine these guys are shooting 50 and up all the time, right? So of course they're going to want the most precise bow they can get. And that they, those people are willing to pay that. No doubt about it. The Western hunter, will do it. That's why prime has done so well. They have really good tolerances and the Western hunter loves their bows, you know, care less about the price uh, elite. I mean, they're all doing something at that level that can compete in my opinion, Hoy, It doesn't matter. The, the two that stand out to oh, me yeah. the most, the two that stand out to me the most right now. And I'm not saying this because of any payments or anything like that. I'm not sponsored by any of these two companies, but would be Bowtech because of the deadlock cam system technology and elite because of their technology that allows them to move, I think it's like yeah. TRS or something like that, but allows them to move it over. So the point is it takes out the whole idea of shimming and it is a huge deal for the pro shop, yeah. not for the consumer, but the pro shop. And the pro shop benefits from people buying a Bowtech and going there cause they literally make a couple twists and they're done with the tuning. It's simple.
0: You know? Yeah. That's the the bow that I'm shooting this year is the elite era and it mm. is very expensive, but uh, it's amazing. You know, and I I think the the other thing that, the other thing that goes into this too, is like, um, there's, there's a difference between like what you need and what you might want. Like if you're, if you're just like, I just need a good old hunting bow to kill deer, then yeah, great. 400, $500 bows. Like some of the packages out there, um, that come set up, like you can hunt deer, you know, with that bow for years and never have a problem and shoot plenty accurately. And and it's great. But if you're like really, um, if you're really obsessed with archery and you're going to be shooting all the time, like just the shooting experience of these higher end bows, like even take hunting aside, like say you're shooting, you know, shooting seriously every day, you're going to have a much more uh, enjoyable and kind of successful archery experience with these high-end bows, because as you uh, perform better, like, that bow can rise with you, you know? Like, you can kind of, like, rise to the accuracy of your bow. Like, most of us, myself included, are not good enough shooters to squeeze all of the accuracy possible out of these bows. But as you get there, like, that is available for you in these higher-end bows. Um, And, like, anyone who really shoots a ton... I think we'll say the same thing.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. I think that people who put a lot into it are going to want the better product for sure. I think that, I mean, it even comes down to like, that's, we're just talking about bows here. We're not even talking about accessories, you know, when you say want and need and all that. So that's why I think it's funny. Actually, I'm working on a video right now. It's called The King, The King, and it's actually the whisker biscuit because to be honest, it's it does the job. Like people, they always make fun of me. Why not? So Trophy Ridge actually sponsors our show, our bow and a plant test Lab show with the with the whisker biscuit, very specifically. And I asked for this, so I want to be very clear. They didn't come to me and say, Hey Dave, do you want to do you want do you want to put the whisker? Biscuit? I said, Listen, I want you to sponsor my show, but I only want to use the whisker biscuit. That's all I want. I want the whisker biscuit. They're like, Okay, are you sure? I'm like, Yes, I don't want dropaways, I just want your whisker biscuit. Why? Because you know how fast it, it's it, quick for me is to put that on a bow so fast. And so, and and anyways, what ends up happening is I'll shoot you know the test bows and then what I'll I'll take one to go hunt and I'll sight it in with the whisker biscuit the night before if I have to and I'll go shoot a deer like I said 20 yards 30 yards I'm not like having to be persistent at these distances and I'll kill deer left and right with that whisker biscuit and I think it's the funniest thing when people are like oh 1200 bow but it's got a cheap 30 dollar whisker biscuit and i think yeah it's it's the king like i don't know i'm not doing like i don't shoot 25 shots a day or 50 shots a day like most people right it, it, it depending on who's using it because of course it can wear out it could take a little speed out of your shot you're still hitting the bristles or hitting your veins so i mean there's definitely some a little bit of disadvantage for sure but it works and it's proven and there's no way around it it's going to do the job for the Probably. general hunter you know now
0: one hundred percent, and that's why it's so popular know. you know because oh, it, sure. yeah it's the king what price you know, means you know stable percent works
1: compact easy to put on no cables nothing to mess with less to break i mean it's hard to beat it but i you know again i've played with all the rest you know the Hamsky now which i really like it's very quiet the core system was nice the qad systems are great of course Um, You know, but those, these are tried and true, right? The QAD has been around for same, looks the same to me as it did 10 years ago when I started Bowhunter Play in 09. It looks the same to me, you know, and it still dominates, right? People still, they always win gold awards from everybody, right? It's just that, it just, that's the main rest, really. Today's episode is brought to you by Sig Sauer, keeping you safe in and out of the field, but also keeping you in the field longer with Sig's Lamp of cross rifles, optics, ammo, and more. Learn all about it at sigsauer.com. Also brought to you by Tinks, Dead Down Wind, Burris, Vapor Trail, Stokerized, Arizona Archery Enterprises, Apex Rewards in Easton. Last year, Reveal by Tacticam quickly became the most sought after scouting camera in America, making cellular scouting available to any hunter. We ask our users how we can make this outstanding camera even better, and this is our answer. Introducing the all new Reveal X even easier setup better battery life faster trigger speed on demand hd photos extended detection range this season find out what all the buzz is about get a new reveal x by tacticam um but yeah the accessories are a big deal i agree they're just big yeah and it's interesting to the market right now with the the sights because what you have this is interesting i think you'll you'll agree and notice this too so you have the Spot Hogs, the HHAs, the Black Golds. These are dominant players in the high-end area. Then you have like CBE, Trophy Ridge, um, Fuse, which are probably like in the middle range, maybe close to the high range in some of their models, but really in the middle range to low range. Um, But now you got this UV that came out, right? You got this dialed archery you got this burris you got this garmin so there's this like weird thing happening like in that marketplace and i can't figure it out and i've talked to the spot hog hhas about it you know and they don't really get it either because they're like we don't really know you know because we're selling sites left and right but somehow these guys are getting some play but i feel like it's a lot of i don't know i'm not nothing against these brands and the stuff they're doing but i just feel like there's a lot of like poof right now like a lot of like i don't know flack or where people are like popular who are talking about it and it makes it popular i don't know and uh, you know again because they're so expensive they're like 500 plus dollars i'm thinking who's gonna spend 500 plus dollars for a site that doesn't do anything special like it doesn't it's not like it's a a burris you know oracle 2 where you have like it gives you a a point to shoot or a garmin where you know zero doesn't do that it's literally a slider that's nice don't get me wrong machined amazing looking you know so i don't know what's your thoughts on that i guess (laughs) <laughs> that's a lot to take i ever.
0: mean i i try like i'm like you i'm a midwest uh deer hunter so i try to keep the setup of my bow as simple as possible you know i don't i don't shoot a slider like for if i'm like if i if it's the you know the odd year where i have a western archery hunt then i'll kind of switch my setup but just for a regular old year of deer hunting like i shoot you know a multi fixed pin sight, um, I don't mess around with I shoot a QAD rest. I keep it all really simple, like proven stuff. Um because I just know it works. Yeah. And like like you, I'm shooting 20 or 30 yards at a deer in the woods. And like I don't want all not only do not only does that stuff like not really help me, and this is my opinion, but I think sometimes it could be a hindrance. Like yeah. if like if you're stuff your setup's so complicated. And you just have a second or two seconds to like execute a shot. Like you just want the simplest stuff that, you know, works. Yeah, um, oh, I agree. So, uh, you know, being the editor in chief of outdoor life, I do get to shoot the new bows of the year. So my typical thing is like fancy bow, very basic accessories on it. Kind of like you. Because hey, that's what, that's I do. what works. That's what I do.
1: My honey yeah. rigs, always have the cheapest sight. Like it's literally a simple sight, three pin. Yeah. I I really, I love, like, I love Chris Hamma, HHA. I mean, he's a great guy. We always chat. I've used this product in the field for sure. It's great product, but it's not necessarily for me in the sense that I don't want to mess with the optimizer system. Like, I don't want to mess with that. I've used it and it's, it's amazing. But the problem I have is like, I ranged a deer this one time. This is an, an interesting experience. I ranged a deer at 40, 45 yards. I set the 45 I drew back it kicked out like three yards and I fired and I almost missed it it like was gonna go low Mm. so this is where I was like I don't got time to do that you know what I mean like because I took a second to call those two seconds to move it I could have took that shot at 45 and been done so it it threw me off so that's why I was like I don't know like the guys love them like there's a lot of guys in our team who use them so like Chris sends us a few every year and I let the guys use them you know but like for me i just i really like the basic and Stack fuse sent me a few basic ones this year and i've been really kind of honed towards them because they're just so simple they're just a metal bracket with a couple pins that light up that are good it's good quality you can tell um but i also like the red line stuff red line's been sending us some stuff too that torch is nice but oh, that's got a little yeah. too too much adjustability for me like i wouldn't use all that stuff even though i love the housing i think it looks sweet um the whole thing looks good i even thought about using it just setting it at 20 and not moving it and just do the one pin idea <laughs> you aim a little high
0: <laughs> yeah 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 but, like the yeah old days. yeah i mean and there's <laughs> nothing you know there's nothing wrong with that either like that's that's the thing that's the thing that like i think we need to kind of chill on in the archery world is like as long as your system allows you to shoot to make a haunting shot ethically no matter what that hunting shot is whether it's 10 yards or 75 yards as long as your system and your like training allows you to make that shot ethically then like we should like not be so critical of each other's like setups right like there's nothing wrong with shooting a cheap bow or shooting a really expensive bow or shooting an expensive bow with a cheap rest like it's yeah. all good if that's what works for you but Like you should have, like, I do believe that you should have some real thought into your gear if you're, if you're a hunter, like you should have a real kind of philosophy and you should, you know, kind of push, push yourself to find the gear that works best for you. And that may be cheap. Like it doesn't have to be expensive, but you should, you know, you should experiment and you should look around if what you're doing is really the best for your, um, for your hunting scenario because ultimately like it is life for death situation for the deer so we got to like do our very best to shoot these things well yeah um and there's a lot of good gear out there to, there's a lot to choose from you know there's a lot of good gear out there that will get the job done so
1: jumping to you know sticking on this a little bit but jumping kind of to topics in the industry um are you guys what's your are you guys doing stuff on crossbow stuff as well or just compound
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah. We cover crossbows a lot. It's a huge, I mean, it's a you know, anyone knows it's yeah. a huge area of huge area of interest. Um, you know, in a lot of states that have, you know, crossbow hunting seasons in the archery season, there are more crossbow kills now, um, in many places by far than archery, you know, traditional bow hunting or compound bow kills. So like you can't, you kind of can't deny that popularity. Um and it's also like a pretty interesting, it's just a pretty interesting market of crossbows out there. Um, do you guys cover, do you guys cover crossbows as well? Or Yeah, you just more yeah co- I yeah. brought
1: it up because I, you know, we take a lot of crap too. a lot, a lot of the diehards are always giving us crap about it. But the funny part is they don't really understand that our team is kind of broken up into like four compound shooters and four crossbow shooters. We're, we're actually broken up by like areas so like people yeah. like Tim Tim if he would have been here Tim's a diehard. he doesn't shoot a compound or traditionally only shoots crossbow that's it and so he he has a lot of good things to talk about when it comes to crossbows because I've shoot both it just depends on what I how I feel one day I go out I'm kind of tired and I'm like I'm just taking my crossbow you know it just depends how I'm feeling really um if it's raining or nasty I'll usually take my crossbow but lately I've been taking my compound more just because I I have this vendetta, I want to, I want to, I have something in me that just really wants to use it in like harder situations. So I'm like, I'm just going to take it and, you know, and kind of go that route. But, um, but once in a while, it just depends on feeling. Like I said, I I shot a deer. Might've been two or three years ago. Now as a doe at 46 yards with a X caliber crossbow. And it, I used a, so this was interesting. I'd never done this before, but I used the Muzzy one broadhead. Okay. on both the compound and the crossbow. And I kill a deer, two deer, one each with that broadhead. And I was like really impressed. Cause normally, you know, I'll switch a broadhead after. I don't usually use the same type of broadhead on the, on the two different options, you know? But man, I tell you what, that thing was like dead on. Just like, I was like, dang. I mean, I had the light on the, the knock on the crossbow and you could see it like just 46 yards. Like it was nothing. It was just like right to the heart too, wow. which is one of my best heart shots I've ever done and uh it didn't go i mean it was like done it was just you know i was like wow man and that's an interesting crossbow because it's a recurve style and a lot of people like right it's too loud i'm like you guys don't really understand how fast these things are it's it doesn't matter how loud it is it's cooking that thing is cooking and it's it's deadly accurate too it's very, very very accurate bow and i shoot a lot of crossbows i shoot 10 point we use raven we use uh killer instinct there's a lot of stuff we have here that comes in but i I, I usually will shoot a wicked ridge i try to i try to like get stuff on the cheaper end and yeah. to be honest with everybody it's not because i want to shoot the cheaper one i think it shoots fine though that's what i was gonna say but i just i don't want to break anything out those ones. i'm like i don't want to be the guy yeah. right the team yeah. that breaks something i'm like dude these right. things are like three thousand dollars like i don't even feel comfortable walking around with it you know i'm like it's just like a lot of money and so I don't yeah. know, you know, theft things like that. I just feel like it I would feel a lot better about it if someone stole my $600 crossbow compared to like a $3000 crossbow. Yeah. Not that that happens, but I'm just saying yeah. if it did.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Uh Yeah, So, I, t- I, I, so I, tell I, me I, about
1: the the outdoor life is at the subscription like how does
0: that work? So do people buy it online? Is it um
1: do you guys get advertising? Like how do you guys make money, I guess?
0: So, uh just for our regular website, our regular content, it's all um you just go to outdoor life and it's all free, you, you know? So for the reader, you can just read all of our stuff. Um, we make money through advertising. So, you know, just, we have partners who buy ads on our website and, you know, that makes us revenue. And then the other kind of major way we make revenue is through um, what's called uh, affiliate sales. So we review, you know, the best crossbows, And the, you know, say we have a link to uh, the Raven bow that goes to Cabela's, right? So if you click from our story onto that product link and it takes you to Cabela's and you end up buying that crossbow from Cabela's, we get a small percentage of that purchase. Um, So, you know, our, we have a ton of gear coverage and all that gear coverage has links to online retailers, and all of those links, you know, give us a a commission if people end up buying buying the products.
1: Nice, that's cool. I see you guys have this thing called Out. Uh, it's like OL Plus. What is that all about?
0: Yes. Okay. So OL Plus is our subscription. Um, is our subscription program, and that's more for like the feature content. Um, that's the stuff that if you're a, a print subscriber you would have been used to that it's more like narrative hunting stories you know big feature profiles photo essays um more kind of like traditional uh outdoor writing stuff versus our free website which is more just gear reviews and news and how to information we're both, we're both stuck in the 50,000 mark on youtube i
1: see yeah, yeah. god I just, oh my God. Like I want to hit a hundred thousand so bad on YouTube. Like, I just want the dang plaque. I, I feel like I worked so hard over the years on this. I'm like, just, I just got to get the a So I get the stupid plaques. So I could feel like I accomplished <laughs> one thing, just one thing in all my time in bow hunting. Just so one award of some sort. <laughs> someday, someday. It'll be like, literally be nine. It'll be, ni- be 99,000. I'll probably get some warning and says, oh, you've been banned for something. Some i guarantee it. And then you don't qualify yeah
0: like no so you're like you're halfway you're halfway there so weird
1: thing happened to me the other day actually I was, i'm was i looking at your guys instagram and so our instagram we got i got a thing that says hey you're ready to be meta verified i said oh that's cool you have to pay 15 bucks a month i'm like okay i'll try it we'll see what happens for the website so i i go to buy it and it says oh uh in order to be verified you have to have your 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 name has to be your name and i thought well, I'm not going to change bow hunter planet to Dave Thomas. Like what, what What do you mean? Like, I'm not going to change my brand. Yeah. What are, and so like, I had to cancel it. And Then they took my money. They took my 15 bucks and they didn't give it back. And I said, dude, you, I can't even do what, like, what is this? This is like yeah. a scam. And that's why you guys are lucky. You already have it. Because I, unless you, because I don't know how you would do it. Like, it makes no sense. It wasn't even for a company. I'm like,
0: yeah. I think we we're just grandfathered in from the previous. Whatever. Yeah, you guys are also yeah. though.
1: Your actual name is Outdoor Life. It's your right. business name, right? That's the thing. Our right. business name is yeah. Johnny Allen Group LLC. That's probably why. Uh, okay. And boner gotcha. Plant is just a part of that. It's like a DB off of that. So that's probably yeah. the issue. So I, I don't know, but I still don't like. I still don't think. I think it's weird, right? Like if you have a brand, oh, yeah. your brand image. Like it wouldn't be hard to go on YouTube or other places to see what Bowhunter Planet is. Like, I don't see why they can't be like, "Oh yeah, you're you're a real person. You're good." You know, I mean, what the heck? It's so weird. Yeah,
0: there's um, there's a lot of kind of shady stuff going on on Instagram it's these really days. Weird. It's it's yeah, it's hard to pin down kind of where any of that's going. So yeah. I, so speaking of that,
1: sure. speaking of that, let's get into uh, a little conservation talk and politics because obviously you know i asked you before we started about this because i, I wanted to make sure you guys were okay with talking about a little bit but this whole initiative to take away archery programs from schools and and really take away it wasn't even just that there's other stuff in there i was reading about taking away like hiking trails to, for people on national forests and stuff like that i go what's your take on all this like what do you what are you guys thinking over there and and, and how are you guys working on this through articles or anything i guess
0: yeah uh well it's interesting you know um the uh so there's a couple things going on here the the um the archery in schools issue um is is really um so I I should back up here Andrew McKean um is our hunting and conservation editor and he's um you know very experienced reporter long time uh long time Writer in the in the outdoor space used to be the editor in chief of Outdoor Life, you know. So he, he really knows. He's got a lot of contacts, and he really kind of knows what's going on. And um, you know, he wrote an article for us um, that was published um, on let's see, August twenty fifth here. Um, that that really dives into the details of what's going on with this uh, with this story that kind of everyone seems to be talking about. Um, and, and the deal is this. There's this, um, there this legislation passed in 2022, um, which is called the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, right? So all this legislation always has a, these very like vague kind of un, unclear names, right? But the legislation was aimed at, um, was basically aimed at reducing gun violence um, in one in schools and in communities in general within that legislation, there's some language that refers to um, weapons training in schools, and schools that um, have any sort of weapons training programs, not being um, not being eligible for funding. So that language, like this, 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 uh, this legislation was written by uh, was written by Republican legislators, right? Like this wasn't um, this wasn't some like um, kind of sneaky uh, Democratic take at like trying to ban um, hunter education in schools. But what, what has happened is the interpretation of that language was used to justify the idea that any schools who host, you know, uh, these hunter education or archery in schools programs would not be eligible for funding under this program. Right. So, uh, so basically it's just bad. It's just bad government, bad, bad, um, interpretation of the legislation. It wasn't meant to do this. Um, What Andrew found in his reporting is that uh, since the story is kind of blown up, this is like the legislators are going to do the right thing. Like they're going to get on board and like either change it or kind of uh, figure out a way so that it won't be interpreted um, wrongly. But if they don't... um, like it's going to be, it's going to be, a ma- it's going to be a major problem for, uh, specific, specifically for the, uh, national archery and schools program. Um, that's, that's, that's the one, like, there's a lot of talk about like hunter education, um, being part of this and that, that would be affected, but most hunter education is not really a school function. Right. Um, and it's also important to note that like hunter education funding mostly comes from uh pitman robertson dollars and license dollars and that's not like that's not really what this story is about um so there's there's a little kind of miss misconception there but the fact that if the if folks in the administration keep trying to interpretate interpret the legislation this way like it would basically sink this um this archery in schools program which everyone agrees is good right like this has nothing archery in schools has nothing to do with the stuff that this stuff that this bill was trying to legislate so uh hopefully every like cooler heads prevail and everyone kind of comes together to do the right thing but like you kind of you can kind of see the different sides spin off and try to kind of like make their own agenda out of yeah. an issue like this, which is really like the unfortunate part.
1: Yeah, that's it's it's scary because I feel like it's just like a lot of things are just, you know, you got always got people like over your shoulder just making decisions for you. You know, it's kind of creepy, really. And, and it's like one of those things where with this type of program, I don't even think I have this program in my schools, to be honest, uh, for our kids, even though, you know, we live in the urban areas of Detroit. But I, I, I don't remember hearing of it. But when I heard of this, um, I just remember thinking, like, this is like the opposite of a good idea. Like, if you want to curb gun violence, you want to do all that. The last thing you want to do is take away kids understanding safety precautions with weapons i mean that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard like a kid needs to understand like if they go in someone's house and there's a gun not to touch it right or not you know it could be low don't aim it at somebody like these are simple things that kids probably learn in these programs and even with a bow they can learn that right don't aim it at somebody don't draw it back when someone's down range these are very important little aspects to help people not get hurt in in the in the real life right like so like i feel like if you think about it Kids, you know, a lot of kids grow up around guns and, you know, their family shoots they're on farms, all this stuff. And they're, they're so educated on it, right? They understand it. They're not the ones making mistakes where they shoot their friend on accident or shoot themselves in the leg on accident or clean a gun while they're, you know, unloading it or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know. Like I just, I would, I I actually made both my kids take hunter safety, even though one of them doesn't even hunt just so they could understand like how important this is right like you got to understand a bow and gun safety period like these are important things you know so yeah i don't know I, I would hate to lose anything like that that has to do with the public right if if it's a free program that's amazing right we need to keep those of course you know It just so anyway i'm glad you guys at least covered it and broke down to find out the information that's really cool and you guys people can find the article on your website
0: yeah, that's right. You can find it on the website. It is called titled "How the Biden Administration Defunds Hunter Education." Non-story became a massive story, um, and that's basically the gist of it. Like this was a this was legislation that was passed that had nothing to do with archery education or hunter education. Yeah, and a misinterpretation of that legislation, and then kind of the uh, firestorm that happened afterwards has taken what should be a, a bipartisan, you know, yeah. totally, totally fine um, thing and made it like a, like a real polarizing issue. And like, I can see why, um, I can, I can definitely see why uh, it is that way because just like, um, you know, either side, either side is kind of like, so um ready to react these days um but this one like oh man if if we mess this one up that would be horrible like this this one they have to figure out like okay archery in schools the national archery in schools program that's a net good for everyone no matter what side of the aisle you decide to stand on um so hopefully they come back hopefully they come back from their recess and they they do the right thing, which uh, everyone seems to think that's what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. I think with the outdoor stuff, I, I think it's, I think it's safe to say that I, I don't even know if sometimes they realize how many people are actually outdoor enthusiasts, you know, like I think right. it's a lot larger than they even realize, you know, I mean, there's just each of these years and I'm not talking about just hunting. I'm talking about just outdoor in general, recreation, doing stuff outside, like people, there's a huge amount of, I mean, that's where people, that's our, that's our space, right? That's our, that's our home to us where we go out there and relax and be one with nature. I mean, it's just, that's an important aspect to even get through your normal life to have that place right where you go. And I can't imagine taking that away from kids early on where they might not ever have that thought, you know, and this, this actually reminds me some other stuff that's kind of annoying to me. And I, I run into this, you guys have probably covered some of these topics over the years, but, um, you know, I, I really have a hard time with, um, hunters fighting hunters for things and it's it's really annoying to me because i feel like we get like lost in the space that we're we're challenged to shoot this deer but we all have to do it the same way and I, and I, it really bothers me because like everybody feels like not everybody but people some people feel like oh if i gotta chase this buck with a traditional bow you need to be using a traditional bow too so i'm gonna help you know tell my dnr guy to make compound bows illegal in our state or you know whether it's crossbow or uh, Burris range finding scopes and sights and uh, you know Excalibur's twin strike where they New Jersey banned one of the oh you can't shoot a crossbow with two bolts in it okay why not what's the difference what's there's a double barrel shotgun what's the difference between that so like it, I'm just saying like I feel like when something new comes instead of like praise companies for like, Hey, I'm glad you're actually trying to be technology advanced and going towards a different direction, trying to do more. But instead here we are like slapping them on the wrist and saying, you can't do this. We're going to ban you instantly without even knowing if there's a problem. The Airbow, another great example, Crossman went out of the way to come up with this cool idea. And then everybody just slaps it down. Oh, not legal. Can't use the state, blah, blah, blah. It's not a bow, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Uh, all I'm saying is like, why does it matter what people use to go get the animal? Like, I understand you want to keep your archery season, archery and all that, but I don't know. I guess what's your take on some of those topics? Like, are they, even the trail camera one, right? Oh, you can't use trail cameras no more. I mean, it's like, you're going backwards. It's like, what are we going from, you know, new technology back to 1800? It makes no sense.
0: Yeah, man. I I don't, Yeah, I know there's there's a lot in there. There's so many, (laughs) there's so many different, um, there's so many different ways to look at it. I think first first and foremost whenever you discuss stuff like this you have to consider the the conservation impact so like is this technology going to be detrimental to our our deer herd and if the answer is yes then we should probably we should probably figure out how to regulate it If the answer is no, then all right, then let's have an ethical discussion about like, can we use this? What seasons? Whatever. Um, I think in most places we have more than enough deer. In fact, we have too many. So like, I think in most, most states in like kind of the core of whitetail country, uh, we can kind of check that box just off the bat. You know, like most states are kind of trying to, get a control of their whitetail herds. I think it's probably different in a lot of Western states uh, in like with mule deer herds and elk and some of the antelopes, um, you know, issues that they had with like massive winter kill and just like the problems they're having with like Western big game species. Um, So all this stuff, and I bring that up to say like, all this stuff changes wherever you change like location right? Or change the scenario. So like, I don't know, in Michigan, or here in Minnesota, or Wisconsin, where there's like, areas where we're trying to reduce the deer herd, then like more advanced technology that makes hunting easier or makes hunters more effective at killing deer. Like, that's not a bad thing from a conservation standpoint, right? So, so that's one point. The other one is like, we probably have to set a limit somewhere, right? Like, I don't want, I'm not a old, like I'm not like an old, uh, I'm not like an old school guy. I don't shoot a trad bow. Like I'm, I'm open to the idea of people hunting however they want, but like, I don't want, I don't know why I feel this way, but I don't want people hunting with like a drone. Like that's, that's like a bridge too far to me. Like that, I think takes away the, well, actually I do know why I feel this way. I feel like that takes away the like fair chase principles that we're supposed to be following as hunters. I would agree. Where it it gets tricky is like, all right, well, which technology allows fair chase and which doesn't? Yeah, And that's, 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 that's where you get into all these, like, are, are like, debates and arguments um yeah. like if someone wants to hunt with an airbow like to me that's fine like i don't see any like it's kind of a to me it's kind of like a silly thing to choose but like okay i would agree cool. if it makes you happy like cool and if you can kill a deer ethically
1: with it keep in mind it's only 400 cool. feet per second so it's the same <laughs> speed as a crossbow yeah so really you're not giving yourself an advantage not like we're talking a gun here right so I, I guess with the tools. I guess when it comes to tools specifically, I just yeah. find it interesting because I feel like okay, you got a rifle. That's probably the max amount you're going to get. Most accuracy, most power, most distance. Then yep. you go down to like For a sure. three fifty, a four fifty, a shotgun, a pistol. Maybe not a pistol, but like then, then you get into crossbows and airbows and bows. And but I, I don't understand the the, the tool doesn't really matter to me necessarily because if I really want the most advanced, I'd just get a rifle, which is way better than all these things and a lot easier to use. And if you learn how to use it, you know, and, and I don't know. So that's one, like the, 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 the twin strike blew my mind that a state actually banned using a crossbow two bolts, because I thought, why would that even matter? Cause as yeah. long as I still follow the regular rules, I don't understand why it would even it has two triggers, It's not one that shoots two. Right. I can understand if it shoots two, but then again, it's one shot and i let's say i hit the deer a little bit back but I it's a kill shot and he runs 10 yards and stops i can shoot it again like yeah why not it's more ethical right. to put two into it and then one so these are just things that i think is like why would they jump to that conclusion to ban it so fast i mean literally it was the very next season they put a, a little thing in there says you cannot use this this and i'm thinking no other state did that to my knowledge but maybe i'm wrong yeah. And I just remember thinking like, who does that? Like, why would you do that? Like, just let it run a couple of years. See what happens. No one, I don't even think that many yeah. people are buying them anyway. So like, right. why, why would that even, so I just, I don't know. Those things bother me a lot. I, you know, I just, I feel like I understand the trail cam situation where they're getting with it. All I'm suggesting is if, if it's not, if it doesn't feel like fair chase with a mobile type trail camera, would it then be okay to like use a trail cam without the mobile capability? Just a thought, like, does it really mean you have to take out all trail cameras or should we just say, look, you know, we can't we're not really getting fair chase. If you guys have in your phone, there's less population like you're saying. So you're not getting that fair chase. So maybe if you use a trail cam, that's cool, but you can't use this capability. So if we find your trail cam and it has a Wi-Fi system, you're in trouble, like you're in actual trouble. You know, I don't know. Just a thought. Just throwing it out there. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i mean i use mobile trail cameras and so do i them.
1: but i'm in michigan no one cares here but out west right. i understand like there's yeah, less right. animals I, I don't know you know when it comes to those specific things but
0: yeah yeah i yeah it gets so um it gets so uh specific down to a scenario where it's like i think the thing that people are trying to like rate Regulate against is like the idea that you get a picture and then you go out and you kill that animal instantly, yeah, instantly,
1: yeah, right. Which I don't do that here, so I don't know why. I guess if that's something they do there, I, I understand, I get it. I understand that it a seems problem.
0: it's it seems a very unlikely scenario to me, yeah.
1: I can't drive pers- four hours pers- to go shoot a deer, it's still in the same spot, it ain't gonna happen. Personally,
0: even my hunting <laughs> property is 40 minutes away,
1: and even yeah. that,
0: like you know, it's not gonna happen, yeah, um, but
1: it could i guess it could technically well you could sit in a car and wait right like
0: maybe that's what they're and now they're working on real-time video right Yeah. so like so like you get a video on your phone and you get to see how long it's there for like okay well maybe that's like getting more to the line of like maybe that's not fair chase yeah Um, i don't know i don't have the answers for that one it it, like it's it's a fraught yeah it's a tricky um It's a tricky, tricky topic. I know that I like using trail cameras for the way that I hunt. Yep. And I, when I do it, it feels like fair chase hunting. Like it's fun. You get to see the deer on your camera. It gets me excited.
1: Yeah. It's exciting, man.
0: Most of the the time most of the time i still don't kill the big buck so oh, no, like never the deer, that's what i'm saying like yeah the deer still oh, wins 99 of the time so i'll never like, see those
1: deer again they're there yeah. now and when i get there they'll be gone yeah, uh, maybe so... i stink i don't know what it is but they will be gone there's no way alex thanks for being on the show man i appreciate it. I do have to run we're running out of time but i want to have you back on because honestly there's a lot more topics i didn't even get to talk about with you and, and next time we'll do a two-hour session <laughs> Hey, so have I appreciate more time.
0: it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was, it was so. fun talking to you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.